Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Welcome everyone to another episode of the You Matter to Christ podcast. Today, I'm with a new friend that I met in the last few days, and I'm very excited to have her join the call. She's in the Virginia area, about two hours, if I recall correctly, from Washington, D.C., and has actually been to the Museum of the Bible multiple times. We'll talk about that later. Barbara Brion is with Favored by the Father Ministries, and her title is Visionary Servant Leader. So I'm very excited to have you on the call today. Barbara, thanks for being here. It's a great pleasure to be here, Chad. I will say at the very beginning that Pastor Barbara has written a few books around intimacy with God. And I think that's a very important topic because a lot of people in today's world are kind of struggling between religion versus relationship. And I have a feeling when the book comes to my house that it will help me understand. Now, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive because when you do go to church on Sunday, it helps you foster that relationship. But certainly I'm excited to dig into the book. So before we dig in, I'd like to ask the question that I ask of all my guests. And that is, if you rewind the tape of your life and go back to age five, six, seven, some of the first memories that you have, you know, what was your thing? What was your passion in life? Where did you live? Tell us about those days in the life of Barbara Brion. Well, in the life of Barbara Brion, it was very quiet for me. I hardly remember those years. I sort of kind of existed. I'm the fifth of five children, and we lived in a housing project in urban part of Virginia. And so I don't really remember a whole lot of anything but basically existing. But I do remember watching my mother sewing. It was fascinating to me that she could create the things that she created out of much of nothing. And we always had whatever we needed when we needed it. So I learned to sew at a very, very early age. And she used to make all of our own clothes. She made various things around the house and things like that. And I remember, of course, being the youngest of five siblings. All of my siblings were in school before I was. And I was always fascinated with learning and knowing new things and knowing how to read even when I wasn't in school yet. And so when they were doing homework, I would be somewhere nearby so that I could listen and learn the things that they were doing in school. And 
ended up not even going to preschool or kindergarten because I was ahead of the folks around me. And I actually started school for the first time in first grade and was ahead of the folks in first grade. It was like, okay, so whatever this is about, I was homeschooled before I even know that was such such a term. So these days I know that term, but school and those kinds of things, anything around the house in terms of just living, existing. And I didn't realize those things as being important things to fostering relationship with God until my older years in terms of being saved and living a Christian life that has such value. When your mom was doing the sewing, did she have one of those machines where you'd push on it with your foot and it made the noise? It was an electric one, but everything was definitely, she would spin, not to crank it up, but you'd have to do everything manually back in the day. And so, yeah, that's the kind of machine that I learned to sew on. Wow. That does bring back some memories there of my own. And my wife was raised in a family with five sisters and a brother, and she was right in the middle. So the exist part, I can kind of align with and understand what you're talking about. What changed when you then went to later years, your teenage years, you go to high school, form some friends? Like, What did you notice as you moved from early childhood into your teen years? Well, for me, because of my age, that was a turbulent time in our country. And I lived in a particular neighborhood where most of the people like me did not live. And I literally did that reverse thing. And I got bussed back to the neighborhood that I originally was in. And so I didn't know a lot of people at the school. I didn't get the chance to create the friends and foster those lifelong relationships over the years because it was disjointed for me. But all of that for me is in God's plan. I don't see that as a bad thing or a negative thing. It's all about who God is and why he orchestrated things to be the way that they are. And so where my comfort zone is now is wherever I am. It's not important to me, some of the things that are important to other people. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So in terms of who it is that I am, and how that transferred into high school or college from the earlier years, I've always been that homebody kind of person. And making friends and those kinds of things wasn't a difficult thing to do, but it takes a while to foster relationships. And when you know that I write about relationships and intimacy with God, you can kind of hear where that came from at an early point. But as I was experiencing it as a child, and as a teenager, I didn't quite get that. I do know that I liked going to church. I liked the way it made me feel. There's that intimacy again. I didn't understand it. That my favorite church song, so to speak, was old hymn called Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. I used to love singing that song simply because it made me feel good. Whoever it was and whatever was going on, Whatever way I was feeling about just being in existence and not re- not really knowing or understanding anything about life, it just made me feel good when I would be there and would sing that song. And those relationships for me began with those levels of intimacy, worshiping, having authentic individual worship, even in a corporate space. So your mom 
when she was sewing on the crank showing machine, I'm sure their singer, if I remember right, is one of the brands. Hey, what a singer. Yeah. <laughs> I could picture that. And then what you enjoyed about that was the kind of the creative that you could create something out of nothing. I wonder if there's something similar in high school or in your teenage years where you also recognize the creator thing. By then it was writing because the junior high school and high school teachers, English teachers, I would say, the other ones I just kind of went to do what they were asking, but I loved the English classes because I had a chance to put down the poetry, whatever my thoughts were, my feelings were, I could express myself. I enjoyed what words would do, whether I was reading them or whether I was writing them. I took a class, an exploratory elective class that was a drama class. And the part of the drama class that I liked the most was improvisation, because then I could get into a character that was outside of myself and just become somebody completely different, even though it was actually me that I was portraying because they didn't really know me anyway. So they thought it was coming out of some whatever, whatever, but it was really me that I was expressing. That improv class, I loved it. Wow. I have forgotten all about that until you asked. (laughs) That's usually what happens in these conversations. Is there a poem that you remember? Not really. I remember the ideas and the gists of things, and I can go back and find things and write them and read them. But to remember the things, not necessarily. That's not my gift. There's one short one now that you caused me to remember one, and it's very simple. And it's the challenge of life you thought you'd won, but without love, life's just begun. That was written and I got it in a book somewhere. (laughs) I thought you were talking about one that I wrote, but no, from the time of school and what they were teaching and making you memorize or whatever, I remember the woods were lonely, dark, and deep. And I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Because I always felt like I always had so far to go to get to wherever I was going in adulthood or whatever was next. That next was always so far beyond. And the woods of life were always too far for me to get through them. And I had somewhere to go. I didn't know where it was. So I could relate to that. That's really deep. I love it. So. If the younger Barbara came and knocked on your door right now and said, hey, what's going on? Good to see you again. What do you think she would notice about your office and you and what you're working on in life? Because you just gave the wood story and now you've made it through some of those woods. What do you think younger Barbara would say to you now? Get out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) We spent a lot of time in the house. Don't be afraid to get out of the house and do more things. Spend more time with more people outside of the house. Don't be afraid to check off some of those places on your bucket list that you want to visit and those kinds of things. But I'm still a homebody. I'm still in the house and safe. That's a key word. I feel safe and secure in this intimate space called home. And I'm very careful and very protective of this space in terms of who I let enter. Well, I felt the protective space when we first talked, and I'm glad you let me in. So thank you for trusting me in the protective space. (laughs) Amen. So 
between the dark woods and now, and maybe before, that we all run into the moments in life that I call the buzzsaw moments, right? Where you just, wait a minute, what just happened there? And usually when you look back, you say, wow, just like you said earlier, that shaped me to become who I am. Like the busing thing where you talked about, hey, I'm not complaining about it. It just was. And now that gave me some of the gifts. Is there a buzzsaw moment that you're comfortable sharing with the world that you could that might impact somebody to hear your moment and how you got through it? Yeah, that specific moment happened for me in the year 2011. Here comes a very specific traumatic story for me. I had gone to get my routine medical physical examination. And the doctor told me that I had had a heart attack and she scheduled testing with a cardiologist. And of course, the same look that you have on my, your face is the one that I was giving to her. What do you mean? Who has a heart attack and doesn't know it? You've got to be kidding me. That couldn't have happened. That's not true. And they were buzzing around the office trying to get everything set up to immediately ship me over to get everything checked out. We don't know what's going on with you right now. It seems to be that you're okay. However, we see that something has happened since the last time you were here. And that just frightened me. So of course, my blood pressure, all my other vitals started escalating from the time I had originally come in to later. Fast forward a little bit beyond a lot of the details, it really did happen. And so after several cardiology tests, the treadmill thing and all the other machines that they do, everything indicated that I had had a heart attack. And I said, well, okay, God, so if I'm still in denial, if I really did have one, would you please show me when it happened and how it happened? Because who has a heart attack and doesn't know it? And so I received from God a very, very vivid image of myself driving home from work on a very particular day. And I remembered it. After he showed me the image, I remembered it. I was literally feeling nauseous. There were aches in my arms. There was pain and squeezing in my chest. I could hardly breathe and asphyxiating. It was difficult to breathe, catching my breath. I was having a heart attack. I didn't know it, but I knew something wasn't quite right. I gripped the steering wheel and put on the brakes because I was driving. And I was headed toward the traffic light literally at a fork in the road. It's called Braze Fork. At a fork in the road, the light turned red. And I was sitting there praying. I was praying. And as I was praying, the light turned red. That was God. I was praying that I would not have an accident and cause people around me to be injured because of my illness. I said, God, please heal me now. And he did exactly that. Yes, that was trauma when I realized months later that I had had a heart attack while I was driving. Now, the crazy thing is, if I had, when I first had the symptoms, turned left at a particular intersection that was just before, a few feet before Bray's Fork, I could have driven to the hospital that was only a few miles away from driving myself to my residence, which was another couple of minutes away. But I didn't know anything about that. And so that's traumatic when you think about, 
I'm a healthy person. At that time, my vitals were good, not on medication for hypertension, none of that stuff. I have problems with diabetes. None of those are my problems in medical sense. So they were startled that I had had a heart attack in the first place because I didn't have any of the triggers. I didn't have any warning signs. And so now, as I look back on it, how it formed how I and who I have become is dealing with stress. I had internalized exactly what the stresses were and refused to discuss because of the nature of them. So privately, intimately caring for anonymity of people and not putting their stuff out there. I can't tell anybody this because that's a confidentiality thing, but it was building in me and it stressed me to a heart attack. They're like, wow, God, tell me who did this to me. And he showed me. He showed me exactly who it was, which is why I can say that in retrospect. So now looking back on all of it, I know what my triggers are. And God helps me in those intimate moments that I walk with him all day, every day. That's why I can clearly say I walk with the Lord and pray and have that attitude about living every day with God, every minute of the day, talking with him, praying with him. That's not a special kind of prayer. That's a being, that's abiding. Oh my God, that's abiding in Christ. That's living for Jesus, where the little things don't become big things. They stay where they are supposed to be in his hand so that he can cradle me in his arms and keep me safe. What's going through my brain is a solid line and another line in parallel with it, like on top of it. And then what a lot of people do is they get away from God and during the week or a month or a year or a period of time, and then the line comes back and then the line goes away. Getting into the intimacy that you're talking about, is that covered in your book and what's it called and where can people find it? That's covered in another book, Beyond Discipleship to Relationship, Developing Intimacy with God. And people could find it on Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, or on my website, www.barbaraafbreon.com through my publisher. The book that I have most recently written is called Blooming for Christ. And Blooming for Christ is about developing godly intimacy. And it's the third book in a trilogy about discipleship and growing intimacy. Uh, So the heart attack story is in the second book. And the COVID story, because I actually am a COVID, I would say survivor. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor because I'm still here to tell you about it. And that was impetus for me writing and completing the third intimacy in terms of blooming for Christ. And that could be found with Amazon as well as on my website. The word developing, I think that's a verb if I remember my English correctly, developing intimacy. And so I think about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then in my grandfather's writing to me when I was in eighth grade, it says, and with all your might. And so the one of the translations is, meaning you have to work on it. So developing to me also articulates 
hey, you're not just going to wake up one day and have intimacy with God. You have to work on it. So are there any tips that you could give to our listeners on how do you work on it? Prayer comes to mind to me. (laughs) Yes, for sure, prayer. But what I've been talking about basically the whole time is all of this staying at home and being by myself. But that doesn't really capsulize development because if you're not in relationship, that's the key word, with other people, then we don't reach out to others for Christ, which is the Great Commission. And so the tip is to be aware of how you are interrelating with other people And that moment by moment, not just when you're praying over your food, not just when something horrible happens, not just when you're praying about illness or something catastrophic, but every moment of the day, you can breathe a simple breath and pray to God, thanking him for it. You don't have to give a litany of things saying, I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I thank you. You just be and exist in him and stop and smell the roses kind of thing. When I had COVID, for example, I could not swallow without even a simple saliva. In the normal conversation we're having right now, I could not talk because swallowing every single time hurt. I couldn't talk. And so just to be able to utter a syllable without it hurting, when words are my thing, it's words have always been my thing, that bothered me. And so that helped me to have those conversations. So for listeners, don't think that your prayer life has to be a certain posture or certain words. It's your attitude toward communicating with God. Curtis Lofton went through COVID, as did I, and Curtis is an ex-NFL player. And he just talked about this on Monday. His voice went out for three months and he went in and they said, we could cut you and we could inject something. We could do a needle but you risk losing your voice for life. And so he just prayed about it. And then finally, God, boom, one day he woke up and he had his voice back. And he was like, wow, that was three months. And he's a talker. He's got a deep voice and he likes to share the word with other people. I have a similar story. I promised God that there's a song that came to my mind, a whole thing about words and how important they are. Lyrics, stand upon the mountain and magnify his name. Zion is calling me to a higher place of praise. God just wrapped me even closer to himself and was helping me to understand that on the other side of this thing, I would have more to share with him and thus the book, more to share with him on various platforms, stand up and proclaim his name. And so I've developed a ministry app. Who knew that I would do something like that? Favor by the Father Ministries now has an app where people can go on it and do daily Bible studies. And I write devotionals every day and all of that. Various platforms, but the very first opportunity that I had to speak or whatever, I still had COVID. And a friend had asked me, pastor of in my area, asked me if I would deliver a message to seniors on a telephone conference line. I told him yes. And I said, I didn't tell him what was wrong with me. I said, God, you brought this to me and you're going to bring me through it. I said, God, tell me what message you want me to proclaim. And I did. I don't remember what I proclaimed, but I remember that I did it. And I remember that my voice was fine the whole time until toward the end of it. And as I was getting catchy, 
I stopped and then I gave my testimony about it and they were amazed. And that's why God did it. And that was the first and another and another and another. And he keeps giving me platforms on which I can proclaim his holy name. That's a spot in COVID that transformed my thinking about the ways that I could deliver for God. And now I'm just doing whatever. Here I am doing a podcast with you. Well, obviously in your acting days or drama club, when you acted a certain role, you've come to know who is Barbara Breon. Like, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, you're a child of God. You live in Christ with Christ in an intimate relationship on a daily basis. A lot of our folks who come on the show of late for the last few months have been professional athletes. And one of the things that I hear commonly is this identity crisis because I'm a soccer player, I'm a football player, and then that goes away. Who am I? Is there anything that comes up for you through the books you've written, through your life experiences that you could share if you're sitting down from a pro athlete who just feels like they lost their identity? What could you share with them that might change their perspective? The whole title of the last book, Bloom for Christ, wherever he plants you. And in regard to that, being the homebody and not wanting to not have reasons for that, but all of that is capsulized in the fact that God moved me from where I was born and raised to an area where I didn't know anybody. So there's that identity. When I first moved to this rural community, I literally knew nobody. It was an Abraham move. God said, go there and here I am. And so for an athlete, going from what you've always known, probably having lived from boyhood or girlhood, from childhood, all the way through junior high, middle school, high school, college, pro time, there's an evolution that's always that same thing and bam, it's, it's gone. For me, I've always known whatever I've always known and I like being home and now I'm not anymore. So now what? Now you grow inside yourself and you have those daily conversations with God because no matter where you go, you are there. No matter where God takes you, it's not a mistake. And so you have to ask God, what is it that you want me to do today? And just like you're eating a regular meal, you only do one bite at a time. So in your life, in your struggle with identity, only gnaw on one minute at a time. Lord, in the next five minutes, what do you want me to do? Allow the Lord to set the agenda for the day. You've got a date book, yes. You look at it after you ask God, now what did you say we were going to do today? And then you turn the page and see how it aligns. And some of that stuff you've got written down, you've got to realize he's going to say, you put that there, I didn't. And so you can't do that that day. But you check with God every day at morning, and then you check with him throughout the day to make sure you're still on track. And you will surprise yourself every day that at the end of the day, you did exactly what God wanted. You're pleased with yourself. That intimacy is strengthening because you avoided obstacles. You avoided hurdles. And I know they're two different things. There are obstacles that the enemy puts in place 
but there's some obstacles that God puts in place because he wants to teach you how to trust him more. And I learned that when I was in seminary. I prayed to God, teach me, Lord, to trust you more. And then all kinds of stuff kept happening because he kept teaching me. How's he going to teach you? Bloom for Christ wherever he plants you. Wherever. It doesn't matter if it's on the football field, if it's on the soccer field, if it's in my library, if it's in the grocery store. It doesn't matter. Or if it's in a prison. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Wherever you are, he placed you in that position through circumstances in your life so that you could bloom for him. Somebody is waiting to hear your message and you're the only one that can deliver it on that platform that he has allowed you to develop. There's that word develop again. And that's my passion. All of this is my passion. Let those words and experiences work for you. Well, Jarvis Guthrie was on Monday as well when we talked, and he went to prison for 18 months and for one bad decision. And he met a pastor in prison, and he boomed where he was planted. One podcast that he was on, he was asked the question, what would you tell younger Jarvis? And he said, I would tell him to step out of the boat. And he said, well, what? And so I asked him again, hey, I heard you on the podcast. What does step out of the boat mean? And it ties back to what we've been talking about. It's, well, that's easy. Get out of your comfort zone, meet people, have relationships. And that's what he talked about. If he could tell younger Jarvis, okay, you made one bad decision. So what? Step up, learn from this and know that it's going to take you to exactly where you're meant to be. Now he's helping kids that need a second chance in a correctional facility and counseling them because he lived through the time and made it and then graduated from college and on and on. I think he was the top of his class, 4.0 student. And so he can show that even when you make one wrong decision, bloom where you're planted. That's right. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like I can talk for days with you. I definitely can't wait to dig into the book. I believe Barbara's going to be on the P4 challenge coming up soon with Bryce and Darren. So if you're hearing this before August 13th, then I highly encourage you to be there because you'll hear Barbara again on that event. Great. Well, thanks for stepping out of your comfort zone today, Barbara, and sharing so much amazing wisdom with everyone on the podcast. It's great to get to know you, and I look forward to more and more conversations over the years. I look forward to it as well. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining another You Matter to Christ podcast. And remember, you matter to Christ. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. 
Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.